You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. And, well, we're getting close to National Signing Day, so Josh and I are back again to bring you all the latest news and updates. So without further ado, here is none other than Mr. Twist himself, Mr. Josh Webb. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another Red Wave Report uh Lucio, it's been kind of a uh, it's been kind of a hectic time lately, hasn't it? I mean, it, 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 this feels like a completely different team. Like, I, I feel like the last time we podcasted, we were talking about a, a, a well, we were just talking about like another team that had the same name or something like this. This it, doesn't feel like it's in the same calendar year. Well, it just feels like a, a completely different team. I mean, with all the new additions on staff, with a lot of these uh, coaches, you know, leaving. And then all of a sudden we got this new staff coming in. We, it, it just it feels like a whole new energy uh, for these Bulldogs. So it's uh, it's it's kind of nice to sit back and kind of watch this develop. And I know you're you're right in the trenches of it, so you're you're getting all the latest news uh, about what's going on, and and so the fans are curious, and that's that's why we're here today. Yeah, we uh, it, it's it's getting down to that nitty gritty time. Obviously, signing day is rapidly approaching. Um, you know, we're about two two ish weeks out, a little more, a little less. It all blends together when you're me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the the moral of the story is that we're about two two weeks out from signing day, and Fresno is in the process of 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 what I am calling a, a recruiting class renaissance. Uh, so I think even leading up to this, and even with a lot of the staff changes, there's there's going to be plenty to talk about. So we may not get to everything. Uh, and we covered a lot of things on our premium podcast, so you definitely want to, if you're not a subscriber, you're going to want to be, uh, especially coming up here with uh, signing day. Uh, but I figure we can talk about some of this stuff generically for, for our uh, our normal, regular old uh, uh, readers. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we put it out there. We, we let you guys uh, send in some questions. Some of these we did answer on our premium board, so we, we'll, we'll try to answer this the best we can. But if you want a complete answer, uh, like Josh said, um, uh, our premium subscribers come first, and they, they actually get – uh, to you know, get all the the latest scoop and updates on some of this stuff. So um, I guess I guess we'll just jump right into it. And I know the you know the fans really want to know some of this stuff. And uh, well, the main one that it seems like it's becoming a a trend here is they want to know about the quarterback situation. Will the Bulldogs be taking a quarterback in this uh, in this class? And that is something. We kind of avoided on our last podcast. Are you ready to kind of share any of that information, uh, Josh? Uh, specifics? No, uh, we are not. Um, but that time is coming. Um, but but I guess we can. Well, I mean, I guess we can get into a few specifics. Uh, I can confirm 
that Fresno State is very much in the process of looking at quarterbacks. Uh, I can confirm that their goal is to try and bring one of them, at least one in. Uh, and I know for a fact they're looking at a minimum of two. Uh, both of the kids are extremely talented. Uh, I, both of them, uh, you know, have have the ability to take this offense to the next level, I think. Uh, and, and, and both those guys uh, certainly have the ability to push the current guys on staff uh, uh, to their maximum potential. Um, so, you know, I, I, I guess I can say that that the Bulldogs, as I've always understood it, 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 ever since we've been covering recruiting, their plan is at least to take one scholarship quarterback every year. That that wasn't really a Shram thing as much as I believe that was a DeRuder thing. Uh, you just never know what's going to happen. And, and to be quite honest, it, it – it, had the Bulldogs not had that approach, I shudder to think of where they would be at with all the attrition they've had over the position uh, and guys leaving over the past couple of years. Um, but obviously that's in the past now. You know, you got a guy in here in Eric Kizaw that, that people actually appear to want to play for, unlike Dave Schramm. Uh, the entire offense seemed to throw a party on Twitter when 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 the, the official word came down that <laughs> Schramm wasn't going to be there anymore. So yep. – uh, you know, say what you will, uh, uh, but we have no idea how good these quarterbacks that are currently on the roster actually are. Like, we, we've got no real truthful idea. There has been so much not developing, and I know that that's not grammatically correct, but we're going to have some fun with it. There has just been so <laughs> much not developing going on at Fresno State uh, that, that it's impossible for anybody who really even those of us who, who follow this stuff and we've got some super informed posters on the board like i do not honestly think there are any of us that could give you a truthful breakdown of what each of these kids bring to the table at the quarterback position just because we have seen so little by way of development um it's really unfair to, to hold that against some of these kids that, that that's probably going to end up happening. Uh, but what I can say is that may end up working out for whichever recruited quarterback comes in, you know, because uh, it will be a keys all guy. Um, and, and, you know, whatever offense he's running, you can be sure that keys will have recruited him because it's similar. That doesn't mean that the guys on staff can't, but it, it just means that there, there's been so very little development that I guess it wouldn't be impossible to see a scenario whereby the new guy comes in and, and kind of, if not jumps to first, at least second string kind of right out of the gate. So, um, yeah, that, that that's really where we're at, the quarterback position. But I can tell you guys that we're going to have more for you in the coming weeks. It's just not something we can talk about at the moment. And I'm sure that fans of the program understand why that is. Uh, anytime you're talking about quarterbacks, they're prized assets. And when you're talking about mid-majors, you definitely don't want to lose opportunities. And so uh, we try to be mindful of that as Fresno's going through recruiting. Uh, you know, so I, and we don't want to cost these kids their opportunities, too. You know, yeah, so definitely uh, there are guys who are coming. Sit tight. We ha we'll have that for you. And it'll be a fun discussion when we can give it to you. Now, I, I, I kind of want to add on a little bit to, to, 
to that last question. You know, they want to know if there's any quarterbacks coming in. Well, Fresno State has four quarterbacks, five if you count the walk in or the walk on from last year. Do you expect all of them to stick around this season if if not for the foreseeable future? Do you, do you see maybe one or two deciding to to go elsewhere? Uh, because you know the the development in the last two or three years hasn't been there. Do you think they might want to go somewhere else to probably try to get that development, or do you see them maybe sticking around to see what the what the new offensive coordinator has? Uh, I think everybody's going to stick it out until spring. I I, I think that at the minimum you you're going to see guys you'll want to come in and, and see if they can't earn a spot with this new staff. But I think we've reached that juncture where we're going to lose one or two of those quarterbacks. Um, and primarily, prim- primarily because it's getting to that point where, where they're going to have to make a call if, if they want to play. Um, the years are getting less for some of these kids eligibility and uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> The depth chart is just getting more and more stacked, and, and that just means fewer and fewer opportunities down the line. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily know how it's going to shake out. I don't think anybody does because I think we've got to see exactly what Keysaw wants out of his quarterback before we could sort of predict who's going to stick around. Um but, but as we saw, different things were really important to Shram. Not that any of them made sense, but what was important to Shram was a lot different than maybe what you'd expect from from some other quarterback uh, your preferences. Maybe maybe some quarterback coaches. Uh, Shram's big thing was just don't turn the ball over. He didn't really care so much for the explosive play. Uh, just wanted a guy to run the same basic plays and not turn the ball over. I, I, I think he's out probably going to want ask his quarterback to do a bit more. Um, you know, he, he plays in those up-tempo offenses. He's used to getting guys ready uh, for the next level. And uh, I, I can genuinely see um, a scenario where one of these guys just is like, you know, uh, I'm not going to get my opportunities here. Uh, I, it's time for me to look elsewhere. Um, I, if I had to take a guess, and I'm not throwing him out there. I'm not. I'm not saying he is. I, I, yeah, honestly, I was going to ask you that. I yeah, like, I, I think if anybody, it would be Kilton because I think Greenlee's past the threshold. I, I think at this point, Greenlee would just have to wait until he were a graduate transfer. I don't. I don't know that mathematically it makes any sense for him to leave. I think last year would have been the year to do it for Greenlee. I, I think that this year would be to do it, it year to do it if you're Kilton. Um, but but if Kilton wins the job, I could see it being Chasen because there's not as many Texas guys on staff any longer. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. But um, you know, I I I think I. I think Kilton and, and Chasen will stick around. I think it's going to be an interesting competition, but I truly think it's going to come down to those two guys. And then I think maybe Greenlee will end up transferring a, a, as a graduate in, into a more pro style offense that, that could use a guy. I, I just, I don't, I don't see Greenlee winning the job mostly because his confidence has just been so shattered over the past four years that I think he's a bigger project <laughs> Then Keysaw could get done in the short amount of time that it's going to take Fresno State to to 
to have to get ready for the next season. So, um, realistically, yeah. I don't think the fans could handle another uh, another shot for for Greenlee. Uh, I think they've been, I think they've seen enough, and I think they've they've had enough uh, with Greenlee. So. Um, there, there, there is that side of the debate, you know. I, I, I still think that Greenlee will always have his supporters, and 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 I think that that's good. He's a local kid; he should. I just, I think that what we've seen out of him, he is where he is, and I think that the other two quarterbacks give you a bit more of an upside, even if they're unpolished. Um, and and and, and I hate even saying this, but if it just looking at the business side of things, if I were making a business decision, I would just have Greenlee as my set number two. He's going to be my permanent backup. And uh, these guys are going to fight it out for the one spot. And the loser of that's going to go down to third rep. You know, it's got it's just it's got nothing to do with where they should be at in the depth chart. It's that Greenlee deserves he's earned the right to at least finish out his career as a backup or the number two choice. Um, and, and, and I think that, that whomever, you know, whether it's Childress, whether it's, 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 uh, Kilton or whether it's Chasen, um, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, I think one of those guys is, is the best option moving forward. I just think they give you more. Now you're more in tune to, uh, what, what goes on behind the scenes more than I am. Um, have you heard anything on uh, Chasen's progression? Will he be ready for the season, or is this going to be kind of a, a kind of a look and see uh, once uh, once the camp? Oh opens no, he's going to he's he's going to be ready for the season. The question will be, can he withstand the hits over the course of a season? But as far as as so, Chasen goes, yeah, I've I've heard nothing to indicate to me that he'll be anything less than physically, at least. <clears throat> If we if we consider physically ready to play at least his baseline of where he was last year, even if he might have been too undersized, he will at least be back there again. But as I understand it, the goal was always for him to to try and put on a little bit more each year and get up to that, you know, typical prototype quarterback weight, you know, size that you'd, you'd prefer your guy to have. So, um, <clears throat> but I, I haven't heard anything as far as I think the heart of your question is would an injury keep him out for next season any length of time and, and no not that I've heard. Okay, so that's uh, that's what one of my concerns. Why I was I was trying to figure out whether or not he was going to be ready for camp or, or not, uh, but it sounds like he'll be ready to go by the time camp starts. So that's uh, that's good news for the for the Bulldog faithful. Now um, going on with the next question. Um, the, uh, this particular listener wanted to know, uh, about two local kids by the name, uh, you know, uh, Tate Jr. and Tatum, uh, what are the chances of Fresno State landing those two recruits, uh, that are, you know, local talents? Uh, I think that as it comes to Levell Tatum, um, I, I, I get the sense that, that I hate saying this, but I, I don't really honestly and truly get the sense that Fresno is his aim. Um, I, I think that, that he wants to go elsewhere. Um, as far as David Tate goes, uh, maybe. I think that anytime you're talking about local kids, it's hit or miss. I, I think that we're going to start to see more of that moving forward, and, and I think you'll get a lot more hits moving forward. But I'm worried that at this point in the recruiting cycle, w- with with a lot of these kids – 
you gave me making up a lot of ground a little bit too late. And and most people already know that, that Fresno kids can't wait to get out of Fresno and Bakersfield kids can't wait to get out of Bakersfield. <laughs> well, I'm not letting I'm not letting y'all on, on in on some big secret that you don't already know. Um, it, it's you know, funny at, that fans think that we can hold on to some of these kids when ga- they want to leave local town. Fresno interest is truthfully one of the hardest things to do in, in, in this industry because Fresno State, for for the past couple of years, has so removed themselves from from the recruiting scene in the Valley beyond guys like uh, Jacob Daniel or Caleb Kelly or so on and so forth, guys that they have no chance of getting. And I don't understand why they're, you know, making very public offers to these kids and and pussyfooting around some of these other kids. But that was the old staff. Um, You know, uh, uh, they never really tried to to get involved with, with with some of these local kids that I think they could have ended up getting guys like a Mariscal, so on and so forth. Now, I know that that's a point of contention with some saying like, oh, I'm not sure those kids. Either way, the the, the point remains is that they didn't throw that much into their recruitment. And as a result of that, what you've ended up with over the past couple of years is this odd sense of deferred respect in recruiting. And by that, I mean all of these guys will keep Fresno around their top five list until the very end, but it's a fluff top five. Fresno's never actually in the list. Anytime I have conversations with these kids about Fresno, it's one or two word answers here and there, and then as soon as the the opportunity to talk about another school comes up, they jump on it. And that's really not fair to fans because uh, and, and you know at the same time it's it's not fair to the kids either because on the one hand they feel a lot of pressure to to get the local school some love and i understand why that is but on the other hand on the dominant hand if the local school isn't pursuing you and isn't showing you that love then the love that you're going to try and show them is going to be a little bit disingenuous. It's like trying to force yourself to say, I love you to somebody that you don't. It's going to sound a little awkward when you do, because there's no intention or meaning behind it. And when we talk to these kids, you hear them talk about Fresno. They tell us they like Fresno. They're like, oh, sure, I'm going to get over there. I can't wait to check it out. But then when it's time to pay the piper, the official visit never happens or whatever the case may be. And then we're sort of left holding the bag on some of these reports because these kids told us that there was interest in Fresno, (laughs) but there never really was. And I'm not blaming anyone. It's just a reality of of recruiting at mid-majors is is that these kids are caught in between two mindsets. They they want to show love to the local mid-major, but maybe they see themselves as being higher than the Mountain West. I don't think there's anything wrong with that mindset, but I do think it can create some disingenuous recruiting reports, and, and that's nobody's fault. It's just we exist in a system where you're supposed to show respect to local schools which i don't understand like if they're not in your top five they just shouldn't be in your top five and 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 that's that's just my personal take on the matter i don't hold the kids responsible for it i sort of blame the politics of it all but it makes it really really hard to get an accurate gauge on how genuinely interested in fresno some of these kids are and i hope that makes sense no and and i completely understand because 
I'm fairly I'm I'm fairly new to the whole to the whole recruiting scene. I've been out there uh, doing some player interviews, and I completely agree with you. Uh, you ask about Fresno, they give you some real short answers. Then, as soon as you give them a chance to talk about someone else, they jump all over it. So it's it's nothing new. That to us, it's easier for us to gauge who is more interested in Fresno State and who is likely to go elsewhere. Uh, it makes things, I guess we could say, it makes things easier for us to kind of figure out where their decision stands. Because when they start leaning towards more of another university, we know where their heart is and where they want to go. So it, it makes it a little bit easier for us. Although I know the fans would like to keep some of these local kids around. It's, you know, some of these kids like to go spread their wings and, and try to live out on their own. So it, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. But moving on, the next question, uh, well, they want to know that... You know, since Coach Tim DeRuiter has come here to Fresno State, he wanted to get a pipeline with uh, Bosco since he's you know since he came in. Any chance that Fresno State Fresno State lands a Bosco kid this year? So, Josh, you know, I, I without going into too much detail, is is there a chance one of these kids might do? Um, it? You know, Bosco recruitment has been has been interesting. Um, it's been one of those things that that, that, that they've uh, they've offered some kids from there, but again, uh, Josh Rosen his first offer was from Fresno State. Uh, but how likely was Fresno State to ever land Josh Rosen? Yeah, that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Josh. I'm sure outside of thanking Fresno State for their first offer, like Josh Rosen, that that was about the end of that conversation. They 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 have been a bit more active at, at Bosco. Um, but, but, you know, the, the conversation from LA coaches to me remains basically the same. Uh, the old staff had, had not really shown, I guess, a priority in, in recruiting some of those schools. Their preference was for Texas. Um, I don't think it's any big secret at this point. Uh, but now I'm being told, uh, by not just coaches, but by people, you know, in the industry, so on and so forth, that, that the, the new staff for Fresno has definitely been around. They're definitely showing more of an interest. They're definitely sending guys out there. And whether it's because they're tired of getting crap from fans or whatever the case may be, uh, uh, they're doing it now. So uh, I, I don't know how Bosco works out this year. I know that there's a couple kids that they're trying to look at. Um you know, one of them, I guess, Michael, Michael Tolliver. Uh, but uh, we'll see what ends up happening there, man. Uh, if Bosco is something that I've mentioned a couple of times, and it's always been baffling to me that uh, DeRuiter and them never really recruited it, considering he's a Bosco alum. But uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know that maybe this year is as loaded for, for available talent. Uh, on Bosco as maybe some of the years past, uh, they're definitely a great team, but, but I think that in terms of available talent this year might not be the best year. Um, so I, uh, hopefully what we'll see moving forward is an increased presence at schools like Narbonne, St. John Bosco, uh, you know, uh, university, so on and Sarah, even, um, you know, I, Fresno State has an alumni on the Sarah staff. So, <laughs> I, I mean, 
the, these are schools that they should be at front and center. And, 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 and as I'm starting to, to hear from, from coaches and like I said, people in the industry, that's exactly what's happening. So I don't, at this point in January, I, I, I can you could ask me anything about, you know, some of these new directions that the staff is heading and I couldn't give you a guaranteed answer as to how it's going to work out. You're talking about mid January and recruiting the, the recruiting signing period is is in like what two weeks? Yeah. It's not really a whole lot of time to, to make up ground or for me to issue crystal ball projections on what's gonna happen. <laughs> it's a little but, late now. But, but I think that as we move forward, these are questions that fans should continue to send in because these are things that we're already going to monitor. We've we've been watching them. They haven't been there. That's why we haven't really reported on it is because it's kind of depressing to be like, well, another kid at Bosco, they're not recruiting. Um, but uh, ask us these questions moving forward because we're being told it is happening and, and we're going to watch it. And as these things start to unfold, hopefully we have more good news to report to you about the Boscos, Edison's, Narbonne's, these local powerhouses that should be uh, uh, getting one or two kids to Fresno each year. So I hope that answers the question, even though I know it didn't. <laughs> well, you did. You did. It's just uh... – uh, with the new coaching staff coming in, it, things are going to change, and that's something we're going to be monitoring. Uh, I know I'm digging up as much as I can to just keep track of where these coaches are, are going to these high schools, and that way it kind of gives us an idea exactly where they are trying to pull some of this talent from. And it is starting to change. Um, I did notice just last night uh, they were in, in the, I guess, the Los Angeles area. I can't exactly remember where, which school it was. I know I sent that over to you, uh, Josh. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Coach Keesaw actually made a visit to Canoga um, yesterday. So it's it's telling you exactly – it tells us exactly that things are changing and they're, they're trying to hit other sources of recruits. So just stay tuned. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Now, next one, Josh, um, it's from Harry again, and it is – quite a long one so bear with me on this one it says based on the b article it sounds like they can sign 25 i keep scratching my head as uh, i suppose if you include last year's blue shirts that would be true however the number i am interested in is how many can we sign going into national letter of intent day that are not already signed or committed to me the number should be in the five to seven range at most, unless they pull scholarships or they ha are offering some of these recruits blue shirt offers. They already have 16 commits, so you would think the maximum available unless they pull off an uh, offer is nine. I would assume they are not going to pull off an, uh, pull an offer to an early enroll, so that would mean they would have to pull an offer from one of the 10 freshmen if they did that. Again, I'm not saying they will do that, uh, rather, I'm saying it looks like numbers-wise, we are being backed into a corner. I believe James does not count, so that might be a plus, uh, a plus one in some category. So again, Harry is still scratching his head over the uh, uh, available scholarships. So, Josh, are you able to even get a handle on what it is Fresno's doing? Because I know I haven't been able to. Well... The, the long and short of that, 
answer is that 25 is not the number they're going to be able to sign. I don't know where the bees coming up with that math unless they're, they're absolutely going to borrow against more blue shirts, which is a possibility. I mean, they could do that. SEC schools make a habit of doing that. Um, but I think it's an awful strategy. And if Fresno do that, I have some serious questions about it because they did that last year to, to poor effect. Like, I, I mean, just absolutely awful effect. And, and, and I think that you almost just want to take your losses and move on. Take, take the smaller class, understand that there's going to be some rebuilding going on here, but borrowing against the next year when you've already borrowed before is just a monumentally stupid move in recruiting, in my opinion. Um, but that's, you know, I, I, I just feel like you put yourself in a position like with payday loans that you, you can never get out of it. And eventually somebody's going to have to somebody is going to have to clear your debt, whether it's this coach, the next coach or whomever. If you if you've borrowed against the future that many times, eventually somebody's going to come to collect. And and with where Fresno are at, I just think that taking the reduced class and getting back to 25 next year is the far better option. Um, with that said, all of the guys that they have committed, there are no guarantees that every one of them sign. And with the new staff, people need to remember that some of these guys aren't going to make the cut list. You know, we look at some of the problems that Fresno State's had had in the past, and it's because they brought in talent that really hasn't worked out. And a lot of that is, is because this staff, the staff that are no longer there, had no idea how to do evaluations. They had no idea what they were doing. Ron Antoine, for the life of me, I never was really able to figure out what Antoine was doing on, on not just a recruiting side of things, but on a coaching side of things. Um, and, and I think that a lot of the guys that he wanted to bring in had nothing more than a basic element to him. Like there was a guy who he was just fast. Um, he liked him because he was fast. And it's like, that's great, but he can't catch. He can't block. And, and, and he's got grade problems. And this is sort of the problem that Fresno ran into is that they were just recruiting guys who were quick. Um, and so now you, you've, you've got to change that. You've got to change the culture. You've got to get guys in who can play. And, and some of these kids that are on Fresno's commit sheet, to be perfectly honest, they probably don't belong on there. I think there are better schools. I think there are better fits for them. I'm not going to mention any names because I think that's rude. I think it's awful to say that about kids. But I do think that when you look, I, I think it would be disingenuous to look at the past bunch of recruiting classes and say that this class, this staff has just had bad luck. Every player they've recruited, every player that they've gotten a commitment from has been solid. I think that's disingenuous to say. We know that's not the case. The results the past couple of seasons have bore that fruit. So if we if we accept that as a logical truth and put that on the table, then 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 your next conclusion is that some of these kids aren't going to make it through the weeding out process and they probably shouldn't. We probably you, you like the eye for talent that this new staff has. Maybe one or two talented kids that could have done something get left out uh, through this new process. But I think that what we're seeing in terms of the uptick, not just in visitors, but guys who are interested in the program, it, it's it, it's better. 
it's it's of a higher quality and it's something that that honestly fresno should be shooting for that's what you want that's what this staff should be able to get after a couple of titles um numbers wise harry i guess to answer your question they have been backed into a corner and that's why i don't think that they should borrow against it i think you're better off bringing in guys numbers are not as important what do they always say about quality and quantity you want quality over quantity and and i think in this case that absolutely is true get the quality player the rest will sort itself out or sort itself out and and then you can sort of move forward from there where they're hurt is that they do have six ees um so that'll count but then you also look at some players that they could possibly bring back um, and, and, and they could fill roster slots that way, you know, cough, Kurt Scobie cough. Um, <laughs> there's a guy that they could fill a roster spot with. who's extremely talented and wouldn't count against Fresno. So these are the little ways that they can get around the numbers things without having to, to borrow against more blue shirts. But if they borrow against more blue shirts, Harry, then yeah, you're right. They, they've just, they're backing themselves into a deeper corner. Now, Fresno had already uh, backed themselves into a deep corner over the years with all the attrition that they had. So is is it, that's got to come into play as well, right? I mean, the, they need to get some more kids in to add to the depth chart because they've hurt themselves by all these kids leaving. So how do you fix that for something with the new, new coaching staff coming in? Is it something that they're just going to have to bite the bullet and try to do the best they can with? I think you try and convince one or two kids to stay. And I think you look at your roster, figure out that maybe some of these kids aren't going to help you. And and if we're being real, the best thing for everybody is to move on. You don't want a kid at a school where he's not going to succeed. You want that kid to succeed. If that means he has to go and I'm just tossing out here, Texas State, you know, to follow Antoine or whatever the case may be. You want that, man. Like, if he doesn't want to be here and the new staff is of a mindset that they're not going to use him, it really it does a disservice to both the program and the kid to keep him on the roster and just have him sitting around the locker room unhappy. That, that does nobody any good. Uh, so those who want to leave, I think you've got to figure out why they want to leave. What 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 is the reason? Are they unsure about the future? If so, then those are kids maybe you want to sit down, have a conversation with, and try and convince them that things are going to be better. If it's got everything to do with fit and relationships and maybe feeling more at home in Texas, then you're not going to solve that. And in that case, maybe you, you do sit down with that kid and explore his best options. But unlike the past, they can't just hear a kid may want to leave and be like, all right, see you, dude. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. That's what got them into this mess. They need to figure out why people want to leave, how serious they are potentially about leaving, and then decide whether there's a place for them in the program moving forward. And everything we've seen out of this new staff indicates that, that, that they're more than willing to do that. They want to sit down with their playmakers and keep them around and they want to bring in kids who can contribute immediately and in a positive way. So I think we're already starting to see the initial steps of how they'll deal with that, but that doesn't mean that one or two more kids may take off. Now with all, uh, with the complete changeover of all the coaches that, ha- that Fresno state was having, um, I want to. I want to throw this one at you. How important has Morimoto, Miramoto been in this whole process? He's he's been probably the backbone of keeping all of these new recruits in touch with all the new recruits. 
How important was that for Fresno State at this point? Morimoto's been extremely important in that he provides a consistency, but I think maybe more important than Morimoto has been Barco and everything that Barco has done. You 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 look at the 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 mood, I guess you could say, that Barco set around the program. And and immediately following the season, there there was discontent, and Barco picked up on that, and he could tell that people were pissed. He could tell that people demanded better, and frankly, I, I'm kind of convinced that Barco was at wit's end himself. Um, you know, I I think he was done seeing what he'd seen. I think he was done seeing the expression on these kids' face. Uh, he knew what was up. The entire world knew what was up. Uh, and and Barco went in and uh, I mean, dude, he he swung down a rune axe from Valhalla with swift justice, <laughs> and and that thing just hit the ground and caused shockwaves left and right that we're still feeling. And and rather than just blow up a staff and and be like, all right, we're gonna put together uh, the crap that we can for 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 the year, and then we're gonna go out and hire a whole new staff. Look at what Bartko did. He brought in guys that that are going to have a splash impact in recruiting, guys who have been veterans about the business, brought back a beloved offensive lineman in Joe Bernardi. And, and, and you know, it, these are the type of things that say to recruits, you know what, even if that head coach didn't necessarily know what he's doing, that AD is a boss, and he does. And and the kids have picked that up. They know that this staff is serious. They know that Kizaw can speak with authority. They know that Ward can speak with authority. It's changed the mood about Fresno State football in the room. And um, Barco's administrative prowess and ability to, to not just sell people on his vision – but to convince people that, that to 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 buy in and invest in his vision, because you can get somebody being like, OK, that's cool. Let me know when that happens. And I'm in. That's one thing. But to get people to say, you know what, I'm in and here's a check. That's an entirely different thing. And Barco has been able to do that every step of the way. And anytime you're able to show that and, and produce that to not just your staff and recruits, it gives them a certain amount of confidence to go out there and do their job. Kizo's not always looking over his shoulder. Ward's not looking over his shoulder. You have guys in there that are basically uninhibited by by a, a lack of experience um, and, and, and really maturity in some cases, as it were, with some of these other coaches. Um, these new coaches, they, they, they don't suffer from those same afflictions. They're they're able to go in there and and really just do this thing to the greatest of their ability because they they it, it feels like they actually have the support of everyone involved instead of being a guy in there that's trying to convince a kid to come to a school that he may not even be around to see through. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I, I guess circling back to your question, Morimoto, extremely important. But remember, Bartko is the guy that hired him. Now, this year, do you see uh, Coach Tim DeRuiter being more involved with the with the whole coaching process? Or is he going to continue doing what he has been doing as far as letting the offensive coach 
coach and the defensive coach do his own thing as well. Is he going? Is he going to be more involved of his own willing, or is he going to be more kind of like you need to do this kind of a thing? But coming down from Bartko, um, difficult to say. Um, I think that when you look at uh, uh, how Tim DeRuiter has done things in the past, it's generally been by a process of delegation, uh, and it didn't guy, work. I mean, well. He also didn't have guys that knew what they were doing. True, um, true. I, I don't really see Tim DeRuiter getting much of a say over what a guy like Ward does on defense, if only because Ward's been around longer than him. <laughs> um, uh, look, I, I, the staff are going to work together because that's what they do. But I think Tim's going to do what he's always done, and that's try and be a head coach. And he's going to let Keysaw do what he does. And he's going to let Ward do what he does. And 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 I think that you know, by and large, the, Tim's mantra is that a head coach should be a head coach. And, and that's basically been his philosophy coming into it. And nothing I've really heard, read, seen, experienced with the Rooters says he's a guy who's going to change who he is. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't say that negatively. I, I, I think he's going to let these guys do what they do. And if you've got guys like Keysaw and Ward, you may as well. I mean, it doesn't. They are not first-time guys, so micromanaging them would probably be more detrimental than it would be productive. So, uh, you know, I don't think he will, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Now, um, adding on to that, um, I know some of the fans were were more were kind of concerned over you know the hiring of either of these uh, coordinators. Uh, Kind of give a kind of a background, kind of what they're going to get out of Keysaw and Ward, what what type of coaches they're going to be getting. Um, that way, you know, they kind of get a better sense of what uh, is coming in here at Fresno State. So kind of kind of give your 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 perspective on these two coaches. Um, you know, I, I, I think with Ward, you're, you're going to be getting a guy who, who has relationships with his players. Uh, you know, he's affectionately known as Whammy. I think everybody realizes that by now. Um, yeah, he, he, he's a guy that demands accountability. I mean, you know, there's a fabulous anecdote about, uh, him recruiting Jadavian Clowney on our boards and, you know, I, I've not looked into it, so it could be true. It could be a wives tale, but, but I, I'm inclined to believe that it's absolutely true. Uh, or basically walks in, sit down, sit, sits down and, and, you know, uh, with Clowney, and says, look, this is the way it is. Every other coach has been telling you that they're going to call you and, and they're going to keep in touch with you. That's not how this is going to work. You're going to call me twice a week and I'm going to tell you how it's going. And basically that right there was was what Clowney said won him over is that every coach had been in there kissing his ass. Ward went in there and was like, nope, you're going to kiss my ass. And, and that's <laughs> – <laughs> More or less what sealed a guy like Clowney is is that he knew he wasn't the boss in the room. Ward was. And, you know, there, that's sort of what Fresno State has been missing on this defense is that Toth can sit there and say that he's the boss in the room. But nothing he did on the field, it got anybody to buy into that. So now you've got a guy in Ward who can come in with, with with not just the experience, but the recruits and the digits to show for it and be like, you yeah, know, we're going to do things my way and you will buy into it. 
and people are going to listen. Because Toth couldn't call up Jadavian Clowney and say, you know, why don't you tell these guys what they can get out of listening to me? Well, well who is Toth going to call? <laughs> Tim DeRuder. <laughs> right. That's, you know, these, all had. these are guys that, that uh, they've been around the block, especially Ward, and, and he knows what he's doing. Uh, I, I expect him to take a commanding presence of the defense and insert himself in there. Uh, as far as Kizaw goes, as I understand it, uh, uh, Kizaw is a guy that, that, that will develop the young quarterbacks. There's some question marks on how great of uh, a play designer he is, but nobody's really like raising it in the sense of, oh, he's not good. There are just legitimate question marks because I'm not going to say he hasn't done it. He just hasn't been given the ability to do it at one place for an extended period of time because – all of the other head coaches he's partnered with, with the exception of Saban, have sort of had rocky careers. Um, that doesn't speak to anything of Kizo. He comes very highly recommended. He was praised to me by our, our Washington guys, uh, said that he's going to develop the quarterbacks, work with them, develop relationships, and get these guys off on a positive right path. Um, like I said, though, there's some question marks about the play design and we will see how that improves itself moving forward, but I I, I think there's enough there that in, in in the positive column that people don't shouldn't really focus on on the play design thing. I think that's something that coaches can go to conferences for, pick other coaches' brains, and generally just get better. Keysaw is a young guy, and 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 honestly. I expect to see an offense that, that, that moves the ball. I expect to see an offense that's more open and takes advantage of space in the field. And uh, that's kind of what I'm expecting from both these guys. Although I am working on a piece on Ward uh, to try and figure out how his base 4-3 scheme is going to fit in with Fresno's 3-4 personnel. Um, I think what you could end up seeing is maybe something like similar to what Pendergast runs at Cal or at USC or will run at USC has run in the past, but is, is a five, two hybrid scheme that, that really takes advantage of the three, four, but reduces gap responsibilities of the defensive linemen and sort of shifts some of that onto the, the more explosive linebackers, which is something that Fresno has in spades. They don't really have the personnel to run the three, four to its maximum potential at this point, And they sure as hell don't have the defensive line to switch over to a four, three, <laughs> but they do have the linebackers. And so, it would be interesting to see more of a 5-2 base this season. I just don't know if that's what they're going to go with. So it'll be curious to see how Ward's 4-3 interplays with the 3-4. That, that that would be something that I would keep an eye on in moving forward. Yeah, that's something that we, we were talking about yesterday. It's just how uh, how what what kind of defense that they're going to switch to because of the, the whole staffing situation. So I don't know. I mean – It'll be interesting to see what what comes out uh, of camp once once we start seeing what's going on with player wise, uh, positional wise, and and see what what kind of a defense they're going to have this year. And then that that'll move us into our final question of the show. Um, uh, one of our listeners wants to know: With uh, will our new coordinators bring in any immediate impact players this signing class? 
Now, I know you have the uh, the pulse of the whole recruiting uh, situation. Do you foresee any, you know, impact players possibly signing with Fresno State? Uh, without going, you know, saying for sure, is there a chance there that they might be able to sign an impact player here or there? Um. I, I don't really necessarily know how to answer that question. Um, I think you've got guys that they've brought in from JUCO. Uh, Ryan Popolizio comes to mind. I, I, I don't think they brought him in to, to sit down on the bench. I think he's a guy that they brought in to, to, to compete for a spot right away on the offensive line. Um, I think there are one or two other kids that have probably come in and, and, and compete for spots right away, uh, maybe as a freshman. Um, at the running back position, mostly, uh, whichever of those kids ends up signing. Um, but, but I think that really what you're looking at is, is everybody in this class in theory is going to have the the potential to be an impact player. Um, Fresno is just so thin at some of these positions and, and need to get guys in that any one of these guys, whether they, they get in through special teams assignments or, or, you know, maybe step in as a nickel corner or whatever the case may be, uh, there may be some expectation for a healthy number of these guys to, to be ready to go when, when they get to Fresno. Um, as for who that's going to be, I think we're going to need to see who signs on signing day. Uh, but as you go through and, and, and you look at the early enrollees, uh, my guess here is is that you've got Kronk and Popolizio and a guy like Malik Forrester and maybe Austin Vimeli who come in right away and play. Yeah. Um, at, at least contribute to some degree. Uh, but outside of, of, of those EEs, I just, I don't have any names for you because the class is still moving and flowing, but just like we saw with some of those kids that, that came in, in this last class, I I think that, that, that one or two of these kids at at each position group may be expected to come in right away and, and at least hit the ground running in some fashion. Yeah, and, and you never know. The impact player might already be on Fresno State's roster who just was just uh, wasn't ready to play and uh who who knows? There might be somebody who just steps out this year who is the impact player. It doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the coaches have to go out and get him. He could already be on the roster and uh only time will tell once these new coaches come in and start to develop these players and get them ready for uh for game day. That being said, Josh, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um you know, why don't we why don't we go ahead and tell them what to expect moving from this point on until National Signing Day so that they kind of get an idea as to what it is that we are going to be working on in the next uh, two to three weeks? Well, obviously, as we've mentioned about a dozen times on this show, signing day is coming, <laughs> and you and I are trying to get a, a a fun little signing day show set up, similar to what we did uh, last year where we had interviews with some of the guys that ended up signing. I already mentioned the piece about the defense that I'm working on. We're kind of waiting to see how the rest of the staff is going to fill out. Uh, because knowing my luck, I'd, I'd write all of this and then they'd go out and hire dudes that run a completely different setup and, and everything. <laughs> you 
know, it's just it's the way it tends to go. So, uh, you know, we we did see that Vernardi, as as Mark reported, uh, first with the B uh, on Weber and Bernardi, and and you know, Lucio, you noticed today that while it's not yet been announced. Uh, Joe Bernardi has go bulldog stuff all over his profile and his bio now lists him as the Fresno state tight ends coach. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know that we need to wait for Fresno to announce that <laughs> the, one. The cat's out but, of the bag. Uh, in the event that they don't, uh, it appears that Bernardi has taken that step for them. So uh, nothing yet on Weber, but I have to assume that if Ward's been right, Bernardi's been right. I don't really see how uh, uh, Weber is going to end up being the odd duck out of that. Um, so expect probably something semi-official on him sooner than later. And, uh, you know, I think as this week starts to close out, too, we'll probably get some more on, on some of those position coaches, uh, those vacancies. I still think there are about two spots left um, now that Bernardi and Weber seem to be in. Uh, so with those vacancies, hopefully we'll maybe see a, spe- a dedicated special teams coach and, and possibly a, a, a wide receivers coach, a quality wide receivers coach hired. Um, but outside of that, we're just going to be talking with recruits, staying on top, t- top of official visits and knocking out these podcasts. Anything you can think of, sir? No, I mean, uh, other than, uh, trying to set up that, uh, that, recruiting day podcast uh, which by all means i believe will probably be a quite long podcast once we're done with all the interviews so i don't know if we're going to go ahead and break it up into multiple uh episodes and kind of you know release one every day for a while or or if we're just going to do one long one so it's it's yet to be determined and it's something that josh and i would like to do uh, possibly in person so that we can get uh, the best uh, recording uh, available for you guys. Uh, we did do something like that with the our uh, premium podcast, and it came out really nice. It was an experiment, and it worked beautifully. So it's something that we're going to try to do more of moving forward. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of fun to do that. I mean, there was uh, there was the initial, I guess, feeling out process of remembering that. Unlike, because we were sharing a mic, and and while that's not an issue, we had multiple mics. Only one of them had the on-off switch, and so uh, you have to realize that any sound you make while the other person is talking, unlike when you're at two different venues, you know, <laughs> if if I'm wandering around or farting or something like that, it ain't it ain't gonna come through. But when we're in the same room, like that type of stuff picks up like a champ. So well, that, we're gonna that, work on a, a new system to try. Yeah, I'll to try and have room. better farts. <laughs> go we're, we're working on trying to up the, update the equipment so that that won't happen but we'll 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 put something together for you guys so it's something we want to do and we'll able we'll be able in the future to possibly get all three of us at one location at one time and record something maybe at a press conference or something and that way we can all be on at the same time so it's a uh, it's something that we're excited about and we're going to work on in the future that being said josh tell them how they can get a hold of you yeah, if you'd like to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can at Fight on Twist. Uh, you could also follow the site on Twitter at Barkboard Scout. Uh, you could also just follow our other site uh, at Barkboard. Um, if you would like to follow our our third uh, the, the the third Musketeer 
the guy who keeps this group together and probably does more than any of us combined, uh, <laughs> I highly recommend giving Jackson Moore a follow at Jackson M underscore Scout. Um, and as always, if you want to follow our fine producer and, and basically the best audio guy in the land, uh, do so at Red Wave Report. That's our good buddy Lucio there. So that's how you can reach all of us. Uh, and as always, be sure to head on over to the boards and leave your questions and comments for us there. And uh, we will try to get back to you guys in a timely fashion, which usually is like about a day or two. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just give us some time to get uh, get things together, because sometimes we're right in the middle of things and we're, we're not ignoring you. We're just trying to get our info together. That being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in and join us again next time as we continue breaking the coverage of Fresno State Recruiting.